Would you turn this evening to two openings, Mark 11 and 2 Timothy 1. Mark 11, 2 Timothy 1. In Mark 11 and 22, Jesus is speaking to the fig tree, and it had obeyed him and withered up just in a matter of hours. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, and he took it as an opportunity to teach them and us about faith. Now, how many understand that if this just something that he could do as the Son of God, there would have been no need to teach them or us about it? If it's, you know, probably a lot more people believe this than what we believe, they believe that Jesus did that just because he's the Son of God, and he could do that, and that you and I would be presumptuous to think we could or to try to do anything like this. But if that were true, he wouldn't have taught us about it, would he? He wouldn't have taught us what happened and how to do it. (laughs) He would have said, nah, boys, don't try this at home now. (laughs) I can do this because I'm the son of God. But no, there's no need in you wondering about that. That just, when I decide to do things like that, I do. And you don't need to be concerned about it. But that's not what he said. In fact, hold your place here. Go to Matthew 21. Matthew's account says it like this. This is Matthew's account of the same happening. Verse 20, Matthew 21, 20, when the disciples saw it, that the you know, fig tree had withered up, they said, how soon is the fig tree withered away? And Jesus answered and said to them, verily I say to you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. I want you to notice every time it says you in that verse. Of course, ye means you. Verse 21, Jesus answered and said unto them, unto who? Them. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree. Whoa, whoa, wait. (laughs) Is he telling them they can do what he just did? Huh? Is he telling them that? You shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Is he telling them and us that we can have faith too? We can believe in our heart, we can speak with our mouth, and things change too. Now, there's a lot of people who don't believe this. They have some ugly things to say about folks like us that preach it. I just saw some more of it this week. Wished I hadn't read it. Called me everything but a nice fellow. Because I preach faith. Well, I make no apologies. Jesus preached faith. Hmm? Didn't he? He preached faith. Ah, y'all just believe it, y'all that, blab it and grab it and confess it and possess it, bunch, 
You just, you know that you can believe it and you can say it and it'll happen. Well, they don't realize who they're making fun of. Who said that? Jesus said that. Didn't he? But verse 22, go back to Mark 11. Now granted, there's some people that have taken the subject of faith and twisted it up so bad. And try to make it saying mean things that Jesus never said. But it doesn't do away with the real thing. Hmm? And how many know you don't throw the baby out with the bath water? <laughs> A lot of people do. I mean, they see some error of what somebody called faith. And so they say, well, we don't want anything to do with that faith stuff. What do you mean? You can't even be born again without faith. Impossible to please the Lord without faith. The just shall live by faith. We're to walk by faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the whole world. Even our faith. So we're just going to leave faith, life, church. We're going to leave that up on the front. We're not going to change it. And I'm going to keep going to Mark 11. Hmm. And Hebrews 11. And many other places. Because I don't know how to live a victorious life any other way than to live by faith. Every good thing that ever happened in Phyllis in my life happened because the Lord helped us to believe Him and follow Him. Are you with me? Every good thing in ministry, every piece of this church that the Lord brought to pass and put together, I know it's because He told us what to believe and helped us to believe Him. Back to Mark 11. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered and said to them, what did he say? Have faith in God. Say it again. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in who? In God. It's so important that we get back to this and that we emphasize this. Our faith is not just in principles. Our faith is not just in our faith. Our faith is not just in ourselves. Our faith is in the person of the Lord. Our faith is in God. Do you have faith in God? Look in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the first chapter. 2 Timothy 1 and 12. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. How many remember the scripture says, No one that trusted in him was made ashamed. Another way of saying that was let down. Was disappointed. I know. Whom I have believed. Are we going to be ashamed that we trusted in him. For the things that we're trusting in him right now. Are we going to look back and go I was a fool for trying to believe that to start with. Or trying to believe that God was real or that miracles. Are we going to be disappointed or are we going to be ashamed. No we're not. No we're not. 
He said, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him, him, him against that day. I know whom I have believed. Not just what, but I know whom. God is a person. Jesus is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. And you can know the person of the Holy Spirit. He can be real to you. The person of Jesus can be real to you. The person of the Father can be real to you. Do you believe that? I mean, we're not talking about some concept. We're not talking about some impersonal force. How many believe the person of God has a form? He's sitting on the throne, the Bible said. Hallelujah. What color is God? Do you know the Bible tells you what color he is? He's jasper colored. And depends on, uh, that's what the Revelation says, depends on how you're looking at him. I imagine a jasper, like a jasper stone. And, and sometimes if you look at it, it's red. Sometimes it's reddish orange. Sometimes it's brown. Said, what color is God? Is he black? Is he white? Yeah. <laughs> is he red? Is he yellow? Uh-huh. <laughs> have you ever seen fire well the bible said from his loins down fire from his loins up fire you ever seen all the colors in fire red yellow orange white right every color every color dark to light and everything in between he's your father No matter what color you are. He's my father. No matter what color I am. Of course we're all the same color on the inside. The blood's the same color. And we're all related. All got the same mom and dad. Have to have. Adam and Eve. (laughs) All the same. Go with me to Hebrews the 11th chapter. Are you interested in faith? Hebrews chapter 11. He said, have faith in God. And this whole 11th chapter, in fact, part of the 10th chapter and part of the 12th chapter goes with it. But this whole passage is talking about having faith in God. And people who had faith in God. And how it worked out for them. Did it work out well for all these folks? In this chapter here. They weren't ashamed. They trusted God. And beginning in Hebrews 11.1. He tells us. He gives us a definition of faith. And then we see many different sides. Of people actually walking in faith. In the following verses. Hebrews 11.1 says. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, or as other translations bring out, the ground or confidence of things hoped for. And what else? The evidence of things not seen. I want us to focus on the first part of this in particular. Faith is the substance, or again, confidence. Of things what? 
hoped for. Hoped for is a future designation. And the evidence of things not seen, or you could say not seen yet. Not seen and or not seen yet. Skip on down. What is it? About the uh, 20th verse here in the chapter. Hebrews 11 and 20. He said, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Everybody say things to come. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. And he did that how? By faith. Verse 21, by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. So that was the same type of thing, wasn't it? He was blessing them concerning what? Things to come, the future. By faith, Joseph, verse 22, when he died, he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. What was he talking to them about? (laughs) The future. Does faith deal with the future? It does. Now, the key word here is hope. Faith is the substance of things or the confidence of things hoped for. But amongst so-called word and faith people, hope has gotten a bad rap. Hope is kind of disdained amongst many. And that's a big mistake. I said, that's a big mistake. Have you ever studied the subject of hope in the Bible? It's big. It occurs time after time after time after time. Do you mind if I give you a little summary version of it? Listen to Psalm 39, 7. You don't have to turn to these, but just listen. Psalm 39, 7 says, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. Psalm 71, 14 says, But I will hope continually, and will yet praise you more and more. This is hoping and praying? No. Hoping and praising. <laughs> Uh, Psalm 119.49. 119.49 says, Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Verse 81, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. Uphold me according to your word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Psalm 130 verse 5. 130 verse 5 says, I wait For the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Now, I could read you 20 more just like that. It's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. 
Go to uh, Romans, please. The 8th chapter. See one of the most significant, in my estimation, verses along this line. Faith is the substance or confidence of what? Of what? Things hoped for. Romans, the 8th chapter. In Romans 8, I'm moving too quickly. Go to Hebrews 3. You know, by the time I get here, (laughs) I've already read 500 verses on this. And so I'm convinced. (laughs) But I have to remember that you may not have read all those this afternoon. <laughs> uh, Hebrews, we're in chapter 11. But go back to the third chapter and notice how this flows together. In Hebrews 3 and verse 6, it said, But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence Now, that's a faith word, isn't it? The confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Faith and hope together at the same time. Now, you're going to have to listen with an open mind because I know some some things have been said that have left a certain impression and you may think I'm contradicting somebody else's teaching and yet I'm not. It's just, it's a matter of what a word means. The way we use the word hope in modern vernacular does not mean the same thing as what the Bible means when you see the word hope in the New Testament. It just doesn't. And we've heard teaching on faith that, you know, if somebody says, well, will you receive when I pray for you now? And somebody says, well, I sure hope so. And folk go, oh, no, that won't cut it. That's not faith. That's right. Nor is it hope. (laughs) Are you listening? They're calling it hope, but it's not hope either. If they were really hoping They would be in faith. I'm talking about Bible hope. The way the word hope is used nowadays basically means wish or want. Hmm? Think about it. Couldn't you substitute that if somebody says, you know, when we pray, will you receive? And they say, well, I sure hope so. Couldn't they also say, I sure want to. I sure wish it would be that way. They're talking about desire. And desire isn't faith. Desire alone will not get you your prayer answered. Will not get your need met. You can desire something desperately. And that's not enough. If God was moved by desperate desire or need, miracles would be popping all over the planet. Tell me what pleases the Lord. Faith. Faith. Well, I want you to get this concept in your mind, though, now. When you see faith, you are going to see hope, too. Faith is the confidence of things, what? Hoped for. 
Now, a misconception that is in some faith circles has to do with this. That first you get hope. And then maybe you can turn it into faith. This is wrong. Are you listening? It's using that same wrong idea of hope as desire. That's true if you're talking about desire. That you can desire something, you can want something, you can need something. And it's possible to get from there and to get in faith about it. And quit just wanting it. And begin believing for it. But no. It's not that you get hope. And then maybe you can turn it into faith. The reality is. You get faith. It produces hope. Are you listening? Now don't just take my word for it. Put your nose in this book. If you have faith. Real faith. You are going to have hope. So I said, that's future, Brother Keith. I know. (laughs) Faith deals with past and present and future. He says, yeah, but Brother Keith, it says now faith is. I know that. But that can be an undue emphasis on that word. Faith is now. Faith is also past. Faith is also future. I was confused about this years ago. When I would see, I described to you the case with the two uncles. But there were other cases like that that I didn't understand. I know there was a man I was ministering to in healing school. And man, his confessions were letter perfect. I believe that I have received. Past tense. And by his stripes I was healed. And yet he died. He got worse and worse and died. And I mean his confessions were just, I mean tense wise, perfect every time I heard him. I was out in another state. And there was a deacon in a denominational church. I won't call the name, but they didn't preach healing. And they didn't believe in speaking in tongues and any of that. And I ministered there for a service, and he caught me on the way out, and he said, you just watch. Next time you see me, I'll be healed. Yeah, but that's future tense. I said, that's future tense. But you know what? Next time I saw him, months later, (laughs) he was healed. And the man that had the perfect tense confessions was gone. So that had me scratching my head. Because now faith is. How many know there's still a lot we have yet to learn? <laughs> and so I begin to put my nose in the Bible on this subject and study these words instead of just quoting phrases I had heard other people say. I need to see for myself what these words mean. And that's when I discovered the glory of hope. And I can say with confidence that that has helped my faith walk as much as about any other one thing I know of. Is learning about hope. What is Bible hope? Let me give you the definition. If you look up the words, you'll find that this is what it is. The word hope, like is in Hebrews 11 here, and in numerous other places, 
It means, basically, expectation or anticipation or confidence. Somebody say expectation. If I had to pick one word, that's the word I'd pick. Expectation. Now, how many know that makes a huge difference if somebody says, do you believe you'll receive right now when we pray? And they say, I fully expect to. Or to say, I sure hope so, meaning I wish it would be, I want it to be. Even though they're using the same word, it means totally two different things. The definition, let me read this to you from Vines. Favorable and confident expectation. Say that out loud. Favorable Favorable. means you're not just expecting anything, you're expecting something good. (laughs) Expectation of bad means you're in fear. See, fear is a perversion of faith. Most everything you can say about faith is true about fear in the negative. The devil creates nothing. He can't create anything. He just tries to mess up what God has created. So if you're expecting something bad, you're in fear. And your fear of it is why you're expecting something bad. But if you're in faith, you're expecting something good. And you're expecting something good because you believe something good has already happened. And because you believe something good has already happened, it puts you in a state of confident expectation to see, feel, and experience something good. (laughs) By faith, Israel spoke over his sons concerning the future. Is he expecting something good to happen in their life, even after he's gone? And the Bible said he did that how? By faith. faith. Yeah, but that's future. Yeah, but it's faith. Confident. Favorable. Expectation. One of the words used to describe the Greek word is anticipation. Now, anticipation is what happens when they're cooking good stuff in the kitchen. But you can't eat it yet. You go in there and try to get a taste and get your hand slapped. And it's not ready yet and it's not time yet. So you just go and wait. But you're not just waiting. You're anticipating. Anticipating means you can almost taste it already. Anticipation means you can smell it. You can imagine enjoying it right now before it happens, but you fully expect to experience it shortly. (laughs) That's hope. That's Bible hope. Bible hope is anticipation. Bible hope is confident expectation. Thank you, Lord. In fact, the phrase to hope is frequently translated to trust in the same New Testament. 
Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say hope has gotten a bad rap amongst word and faith people? And a lot of people are quick to pounce and go, oh, that's just hope now. That's hope. We've got to turn that into faith. <laughs> well, if you mean hope like modern vernacular, desire, then yeah, you need to not just desire it, you need to start believing. But really, if it's Bible hope, that's the best place you could be. <laughs> if you really are in Bible hope, that means you have faith. Where'd you turn to? 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse. Tell me what it says. Now abides faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Of all the things he could have mentioned, these three. Somebody say, the big three are going to be with us forever. There's a whole lot of things are not going to be with us past this life, but these three are going to be with us forever, and one of the big three is hope. Hope. Not something that should be spoken lightly of and brushed aside. And so we don't need that, we need faith. Oh yeah, you need hope. The more hope, the better. But you got to get your mind renewed to what it actually is. Come on, tell me what it is. What is real hope? Confident. Expectation. (laughs) And anticipating of how good it's going to (laughs) be. Glory to God. And why would you have such anticipation and such expectation? Because you believe something. So your hope is built on the foundation of this faith. Your faith is the substance. That word substance, a lot of people have made some things out of it that it really didn't say. Look up the word. The word substance has to do with confidence. And it's from the word that means foundation. Like what you build something on. Faith is the foundation of what? Things hoped for. Why are you hoping? Why are you confidently expecting? Because you believe something. You have faith. So it's not first hope, then faith. Not real hope. It's faith producing hope. I know that might sound strange to you, but don't throw it away now. Meditate upon it. This will help. Go over now to, you were in Hebrews 3. Go to Hebrews 6. We know Hebrews 11 is the great faith chapter. But I want you to see what he kept referring to. Building up to this. Working up to this. Hebrews 6 and 11. 6.11 And we desire that every one of you. Do show the same diligence. To the full assurance of what? Of hope. Unto the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And he said, blessing, surely blessing, I'll bless you and multiplying, I'll multiply you. So after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. 
Was he hoping? I said, was he hoping? Well, back up to the part there in verse 11. Was he showing the full assurance of hope to the end? Yes, he was. I'll prove it to you more clearly here in just a moment. So after he had patiently endured, believing and hoping, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherefore God, willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. You understand what the two things are? One is the oath. The other one is the fact he can't lie anyhow. (laughs) But he... He went ahead and gave the oath just to make it stronger, if it was possible. But it's impossible for God to lie that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as a what? Anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters into that within the veil. Is hope important? I said, is it important? What is hope? You confidently expecting. You're expecting. You're expecting. What does that do to your soul? It anchors it down instead of it being unstable and being all over the place. You show me a faith man, I'll show you somebody full of expectation. A faith woman, somebody full of expectation. You show me a hopeless person, I'll show you a person with no expectation of anything good. And that's also a person with no faith. Can you see it, friends? Now, uh, go on to the 10th chapter. There's actually a thing in the King James here that you might want to notice and put a note in your scripture on. A word that was used that really could have been a different word. Hebrews 10 and 22. He said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Actually, it's hope. If you look up the word. It's the word hope. How many got a different translation and it says hope? See these hands all over the place? That's because it's the word. It's the same Greek word translated hope all over the New Testament. And this is one that we have, you know, claimed and confessed a bunch. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Actually, it's hold fast to your confession of hope. (laughs) But it really is saying the same thing in general. Because if you do have a real confession of hope, it's because you have faith. Because faith is the substance or ground or confidence of things hoped for. I know this may sound a little different than what you've thought or heard, but friend, am I reading scriptures tonight? Come on. Are you with me now? This is important. This is a key thing that people have stumbled over. And I know it's something that helps me every day in my faith walk. I do believe in faith. I have faith. 
And because I have faith, I am in a continual state of expectation. I am expecting. I am expecting every project that's going on to be finished up post-haste lickety-split. That it's not going to be a problem. Are you with me now? I'm expecting. You know, I know you may not think about it that much, and I don't worry about it at all. But we have no guarantees in the natural that we will have money to pay our bills. From week to week or month to month. Are you listening to that? You don't either. Oh yeah, I know I'm going to get paid. No, you don't. No, you don't. My check is X amount. I know it's good. No, you don't know that that's going to be there. I tell you who you can know is going to be there. You can be sure he's going to be there. <laughs> but you, you know, the whole bunch of you, you just expect every bill to be paid in this church. You just expect plenty of money to be there for the word supply. You just expect us to have plenty of money to go all over the country and take scores of thousands of dollars worth of materials and just give to them. You just expect it to all be there, don't you? You just You lost no sleep over it this week. No. That is good, strong faith. That's what it is. Faith is a rest. Now, friend, you can take that and apply it to whatever area of your life has been bugging you. I just expect the Lord tears His coming to live a long, healthy life. Live out my full time down here below. Do everything I'm supposed to do. Until I'm old, biblically old. And even the old people go, he's old. (laughs) Old and full of years and rich. Done it all, seen it all, been there twice. And satisfied and ready to go. Ready to go. Why shouldn't you just expect for that to happen? Well, Brother Keith, I have this. Brother Keith, they said that. You didn't hear me. Why can't you just expect that to happen? It is no more complicated than that. I just expect piles of money to come in. I just expect. Yeah, but Brother Keith, have you been watching the news? I try not to. (laughs) Don't you know about the economy Why can't I still expect it? Hmm? (sighs) Hold fast to the profession of our hope without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Oh, thank you, Lord. Go back to Romans 8 now. Get ready to shout some more before the service is over. I'm telling you, gonna. I just, I expect that you're going to get stirred up some more. (laughs) Romans 8. Romans 8. 
And let's see, I need to back up to about 19, Romans 8, 19. Now this is a good phrase here. The earnest expectation of the creature or creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now this is a different word in the Greek. And the word earnest basically means intense. The picture is stretched out head and neck. What does that mean? Somebody say intense. Intense. Now you got expectation and that's good. But there's another notch up. Different words used to describe it. You got faith, but how many of you also got strong faith? Persuasion and then you got fully persuaded. You got expectation and then there's different degrees. There is intense, or as the King James says, earnest. And actually, literally, it means, the words mean head, neck outstretched. Why would you be like that? You are expecting it any moment. Because when it comes, I'm going to be ready for it. I'm right here. I got my arms out. I'm ready to get it. I'm ready to catch it. I'm ready to receive it. How many know that is a picture of faith? Faith. 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 Whoo. The earnest expectation of the creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the planet you are on. He's talking about the universe round about us. It's like that. Let me keep reading. The creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who subjected the same in what? In hope, even when the curse was pronounced, the Lord was expecting (laughs) for this thing to be straightened out before it was over with. How many know we serve a God of faith? A God of faith. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now? Oh, you got to read this. I could quote it to you, but you could. Hold your place there. Go to 1 Corinthians. Oh, my, my. 1 Corinthians 15. No, I went to the wrong one. Excuse me. It's the book of Acts, I think. The scripture says that he is set down at the right hand of the Father and that he is expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. Do you remember that? He's expecting. Somebody say, he's what? Now, come on, get the picture. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. Do you believe that? He's there. What's he doing? Expecting, the Bible said. He's expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Hmm? There it is, Hebrews 10, 13. Jesus, back up to verse 12. Verse 12. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down on the right hand of God. How many know Jesus has done that? And that's where he is right now. Verse 13, what? From henceforth, from henceforth, from here till now. From here to now, what's he doing? What's Jesus doing at the right hand of the Father 
Is he in faith about this thing? What's he doing? He is expecting. I mean, there's demons and crazy people running all over the planet. It doesn't look like it's in hand and under control yet. But how many know Jesus is believing for it to be? And how many know his faith works? His faith works. How many believe just as surely as you're sitting here? And this planet's revolving, and even more sure, it'll come to pass. That every enemy will be made his footstool. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. He's believing for that right now. And how can we see his faith? He's expecting. He's sitting there right now, expecting this to come to pass. Now, how are you and I supposed to operate in faith? Same way. You hear what he says. You become persuaded of it. You believe it. You believe you receive it. You say the word. You sow the seed. You pray the prayer. You lay the hand on. And then what do you do? Then what do you do? Come on, help me out. What do you do? Then you expect. You expect it to come to pass. You expect to see it. You expect to feel it. You expect it to happen. Now, how long has he been doing this? (laughs) Years? Centuries? Aren't you glad he doesn't get discouraged easily? So this is the test, isn't it? That we can expect and keep expecting. And no matter what it looks like, keep expecting. And no matter what it feels like, keep expecting. And if it looks worse, keep expecting anyhow. If it feels worse, keep expecting anyhow. Come on, are y'all with me now? If it looks like there's no way. I'm talking to somebody in here tonight. If it looks like it's too late, it's too far gone, it's hopeless, it's no way. There's no such thing as hopeless to a faith man or woman. A faith man or woman is always going to hope, which means expect. Always. No matter what. Not enough stuff can happen that a faith man or woman stops expecting. Because their expectation was not based on what they saw and felt to start with. And their reason for expecting has not changed and never will. And they will not be ashamed. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Whew. Keep reading. The enemy sure didn't want you to get this tonight. But uh, tough. <laughs> Some of you may have had a hard time getting here tonight. And There have been several different things, but now you know why. He's a loser. In fact, he's the loser. Capital T, capital L. The loser. Have you read Revelation? He's the loser. What's going on? The creation is in earnest, intense expectation. The mountains, the oceans, the valleys... The plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the atmosphere is groaning. It's yearning. You know what it wants? 
it wants to be restored like it was created, like it was supposed to be. Thunderstorms are not how it's supposed to be. Earthquakes are not how it's supposed to be. Did you hear me? Tornadoes, tidal waves, volcanoes. I mean, all of this is a result of the curse and the effect of sin on the earth. God didn't make it this way. And the whole thing, you can hear it, can't you? It's groaning. Literally, I mean, people that study the tectonic plates, they're shifting this thing. It's tearing itself apart in some ways. I mean, it needs to be born again. (laughs) Just like all the inhabitants on it need to be born again. And it knows it's going to be. And it's yearning for it. It's reaching for it. Come on, keep reading. Keep reading. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. This is everything. The plants, the animals, the ground, the atmosphere, everything. And not only it, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. You know you don't have the whole thing yet? I said, did you know you're not experiencing the whole thing? You just got the first fruits. And what we've tasted is good. But there's so much more to come. Even ourselves grown within ourselves. Waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. When we got born again, it was our spirit. But our body didn't get born again. In fact, the body calls our current condition vile. V-I-L-E. As pretty as we could make ourselves. The Bible still says vile. (laughs) I know you might not like that, but that is the truth. And I mean, no matter what you do, is to do over again tomorrow or sooner. And up to a certain point, it's not going to get better. (laughs) At a certain point, you're going to get older. But soon and very soon. Now we're getting to some shouting for it right here. This is called the glorious hope. I want us to talk about the glorious hope. You want to talk about the glorious hope? Finish reading. We're waiting. What are we waiting on? But are we in faith while we're waiting? Yeah, see that has sounded wrong to people's minds because of the way faith has been taught. But no, I mean, people have gotten in bondage in their minds and they can't say, you know, if the symptoms are still there, the pain's still there, if the money's not there, they don't know what to say. They get uncomfortable. And they go, well, how you doing? I was healed by Jesus' stripes. Great. So everything's good. Uh, Yeah. I was healed by Jesus' stripes. So all you, you know, you you feel good and everything's great. People get nervous then. They're like, they don't know what to, oh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'll mess my faith up. Friend, it's not about technicalities. 
Y'all hear me now? And people have done stuff that brings reproach and leaves the wrong example. People go to the doctor because they want their help. And the doctor pokes and goes, does that hurt? And they go, oh, no, in Jesus' name, I have no pain. (laughs) And the doctor wants to know, well, why'd you come to me then? And a lot of people in the medical field, they think they don't like folks that believe in divine healing because they think it's goofy and weird and a hindrance. But what people are calling faith is not real faith either. And that's what results in the confusion. I believe I received my healing. But what about the symptoms? Well, they're still there. Hmm? Does it hurt? Yep. Is that a lack of faith to say that? No, it is not. Now, you don't need to camp on it and dwell on it. You don't need to meditate on it. But yeah, it's there. I believe I received my money. Well, can you write the check today? Nope. (laughs) Is the money there? No, it's not there. But what? Come on, help me out. But what? I'm expecting. Oh, come on now. I'm expecting my body to change. I'm expecting the money to come on in. I'm expecting something to happen. Oh, are y'all with me now? Why am I expecting? Because I believe something. He said, verse 24, now get this. Romans 8, 24. For we are saved by hope. Somebody said, I thought we were saved by faith. Both are true. Because if you have faith, you're going to have hope. Are y'all with me now? We're saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? (laughs) Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen or not seen yet. But we're expecting. Well, you're waiting on it? Yeah, I'm waiting to see it. I'm waiting to feel it. I'm waiting for the money to hit the account. Well, then you're not in faith. I certainly am. I believe God's heard my prayer. I believe He has granted granted my request. I believe I have received. I'm not waiting to see if it's going to happen or not. Come on now, y'all with me? No if about it. I'm not waiting to see if it's going to happen. How many know for things to happen down here, they have to happen in the Spirit? They happen in the Spirit, then they happen out here. What do you say? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's a connection, isn't there? So we believe it's been granted to us in the realm we can't see. But you're not supposed to try to say, I can see it when you don't see it. You're not supposed to try to say, I feel it when you don't feel it. That's not faith. Denying what you see and feel is not faith. We're saved by hope. Now back on up with me to the fourth chapter of Romans. 
And you may have heard these verses many times or read them and quoted them, but I think they might mean even more to you right now. Romans 4, 17. Well, verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made, there's that past tense, you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, Abraham who against hope believed. In hope that he might become. That's future tense. Isn't it? God had told him, I have made you the father of many nations. And now he is expecting that he will become. Now you going to tell him that's not real faith? This is Abraham. The father of faith. Question is, did it work? Let's go back to that deacon I was talking about earlier. Caught me on my way out of the church. I didn't think his confession was right. He was prayed for to be healed that night. I mean, he couldn't tell any difference in his body. But he caught me by the arm and he said, You just watch. Next time I see you, I'll be healed. <laughs> was that faith? Well, the next time I saw him, he was healed. (laughs) What else are you looking for? (laughs) Was he in faith? Yeah, but he's talking future tense. Yeah, but see, faith deals with all tenses. Faith deals with the past and the present and the future. Why was he expecting his body to change in the near future? Why? He believed Something had happened when we all prayed. When he was ministered to, he didn't know how to say it, and that wasn't the important thing. The guy that knew how to say it didn't receive it. Because he wasn't expecting anything except expecting to get worse. How many know it matters not if you make so-called perfect confessions all day if you're really expecting to get worse? There's no faith there. He... Against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of, when he's about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Let me read this to you from another translation. Somebody say against hope. hope. Believed in hope. In the English version it says, even Abraham believed and hoped even when there was no reason for hoping, and so became the father of many nations. The uh, basic Bible says, who without reason for hope, in faith went on hoping. 
The Weymouth translation says, under utterly hopeless circumstances, he hopefully believed to become the father of many nations. He had no reason to expect to father a child, no reason to expect Sarah to be able to conceive. She couldn't conceive when she was young. Now she's gone through the change of life. Now he's 90 years old. And then 99. What if they showed up at the clinic? For a checkup. And and why are y'all here? Well, we're going to have a baby. Did they have any reason to expect? In the natural, there was no reason to expect. In fact, every reason to expect it not to be. But in faith, against hope, no reason to hope, no reason to expect, he believed in expectation. Why did he do it? Because of something the Lord told him. He told him, he took him outside, you remember, and showed him. He said, look at the stars, can you count them? Do you know how many grains of sand there are on the seashore? No, I can't count them. He said, that's how many descendants you're going to have. And then he told, you know, when the angel visited, he told Sarah, about this time next year. She laughed, thought it was funny, then got scared when he asked her about it, and then lied. But I want you to notice, Sarah is in chapter 11. She must have quit laughing, and she must have quit lying. She had a turnaround. Come on, say turnaround. She had, even if you started out rough, how many know you can still get it together? I mean, even if you start out in unbelief, no hope, no faith, no honesty. You could still wind up in Hebrews 11. Oh, oh. (laughs) There's hope for every one of us. (laughs) If you just go on and expect that by the grace of God, by His grace, somebody say, by His grace, grace. we'll get it together. (laughs) We'll get it together. We'll quit wobbling around. We'll quit wavering around. We'll quit laughing and being in unbelief. Come on, picture Sarah. She laughed. She thought, what? (laughs) Old as he is. Old as I am. I'm going to have a baby. She laughed right out loud. She thought that was funny. (laughs) The Lord said, turned around. He said, why did she laugh? Ooh. She said, oh, oh, I, I didn't laugh. He said, yeah, you did. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's what he said. How many think after he left, Sarah had a quiet time? (laughs) She got off to herself and thought, I really messed up. Oh, how many believe she got in the floor of the tent there and repented before God and said, Lord, forgive me. I have seen you do things for us. All these years, and you've kept us. How many know they had testimonies? What happened with her when that king took her, and they got her back, and 
The enemy attacked and they got everything back. I mean, they got miracle after miracle. They started out with a couple of sticks to rub together. Now they're richest people in the whole country. Right? How many know she knows God can do things? And that's what the Bible said. She counted him faithful. She got there on the floor. She's repented. She said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for laughing. I know better than this. You are faithful. And if you say you can do this, then you can do this. And so if you say I'm going to be expecting, I'm expecting to be expecting. And I'm going to know in a few months she was expecting. (laughs) And she kept expecting a few months more. And then she gave birth. And Isaac was born. And friend, it is no more difficult than that. You and I can have miracles if we will just do that. If we will just expect. Go with me to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4. I tell you, find at the same time, find Titus. It's right there close by. Titus 2 and 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's go to Titus first. Read it like that. Titus 2 and 13. 2.13 says, Looking for that what? Blessed hope. What is the blessed hope? And the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for that? How many in here say, I'm looking for the glorious appearing Of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for him to come back? Then go back over to 1 Thessalonians. And let's read about him coming back. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 13. I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Concerning them which are asleep. That you sorrow not, even as others which what? Now, we're tapping into something really important. We've touched on it, but I want to give you the scripture for it. Do you know how you can know you're in Bible hope? We talk about it around here all the time. Only we say, how would you know if you're really in faith? Well, if you're really in faith, you're going to really be expecting something good. And if you're really expecting something good, what will that do to you? It will give you... Joy. And it will give you peace. I said it will give you joy. And it will give you peace. Now these people. They had no hope. And what was their problem? Sorrow. That you sorrow not. Even as others which have no hope. When people are down. When they're sad. When they're depressed. It's obvious they're not expecting something good. That's why they're down. So are they in faith? It doesn't matter if they made nine good confessions and listened to four CDs that day. If they're still down and sorrowing, they're not in faith. Can't be. Can't be. But when you get in faith, these people, and of course, this is the time when you would expect to see sorrow when somebody you love has left their body and you're putting that body in the ground. And he said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Somebody said, thank you, Lord, I'm not ignorant. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant concerning them that are asleep. That means their body 
Not soul sleep, but body sleep. Some say, well, that body's dead. No, actually, it's going to wake up. That body. Some say, well, I want a new body. <laughs> it's going to be the one you've got. Glorified. And don't get upset. You'll be perfectly happy with it. In its glorified state. But the Lord Jesus has purchased this one. Did you know your body, this physical body that you have right now, is a permanent part of the body of Christ? I know people despise it, and I know there's some things you don't like about it, and that's because of its current vile condition. (laughs) But I assure you, when the glory of God gets through with it, (laughs) you're going to look like you're supposed to look. And you're going to feel like you're supposed to feel. And you're going to be able to do what you're supposed to do forever, forever, for eternity. Mm, You talk about looking good. Oh, you talk about looking good. We're going to see each other when all this is over. And we'll just probably shout for the first thousand years about how good we look. We just stand and talk to you and go, man, you never looked that good when I saw you. You never looked even close to that. Go, man, you either. We look good. We'll shout. We'll sing. This body has been bought and paid for. And we are expecting. We have this glorious hope. He said. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, do you believe that? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. How many know this is as strong as he, sometimes he would say it. Now I don't have the word, but I have the spirit. But here he says, I have the word of the Lord. He spoke this to me. That we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. How many believe this is going to happen just like this? Are you really expecting this to happen? It's not going to be long. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord. Ooh. Now think about it. There are Christians who died at sea. The sharks got their bodies. Where's their body at? There are Christians who died in the desert. Their bones were bleached and never found. You can't even find a bone of them. But how many know God knows where every molecule is? He knows where every cell is. And it would be an amazing thing to be alive and remaining when that trumpet sounds, because the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and you and I would be still here like we are right now. And we would see, it, it might be a bit much for us, we, we would see every cell of the dead in Christ come from the four corners of the world back together, boom, and the glory of God go over it. And here they come with Jesus, their spirits, and get back in their bodies. 
And you and I are standing there going. <laughs> and about that time, the glory hits us. Woo! Hits us. And we will be changed. And it ain't going to take long. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Are you expecting this to happen? Come on, help me. You know why you expect this to happen? Because you have faith. You believe. And because of what you believe, you have this confident expectation. And even right now, you've got some anticipation. <laughs> Aren't you? <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, flying without an airplane. Yes and amen. (laughs) And so shall we ever be. We're not going for a visit. We're not going. We are always forever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Is there comfort... In this hope. I've stood by the graveside. Of friends and family. And fellow ministers. And you know. Part of your soul. Wants to sorrow. But when you know the truth. You don't sorrow like those who have no hope. Because we have a hope. We have a certain and a sure. Glorious hope that even though we plant that body today, that body's coming up. How many believe it? Just as sure as you're sitting here. Every child of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. No matter where their bodies are, what state they're in. It's going to come back together, be reunited, and be glorified. And when you really believe that, you know, when you know they're not there, that's just their body. And that's not the end of their body either. Their body's just asleep. There's no such thing as soul sleep. The person is gone. The person is with Jesus. Hallelujah. Shouting up and down the streets of glory. But this is not even the end of their body. The body's just asleep. And it's going to be awakened. You talk about an alarm. It's going to be the trumpet is going to go off. And it's going to wake up all the dead in Christ. Their bodies going to wake their bodies up. They're with Him. But it's going to wake their bodies up. Now friend... When you and I started reading that and started talking about that, it comforted us and it thrilled us. Is that right? And that is the two big indicators that real faith is present. Go to Romans. Romans 15. There's no such thing as a joyful Hopeless person. No. What kind of person is hopeless? I've seen people 
by the graveside. Just, I lose it. Just come apart. I've had people look at me and grab me and go, what are we going to do? What are we going to do without them? What's their problem? They can't see coming out. They don't have an expectation that everything's going to be all right. And because they're hopeless, it shows that they're faithless. And the evidence is no joy and no peace. Well, come on, can you see it? Look here in Romans 15. Romans 15 and 13. Now what? Now the God of what? I thought he was the God of faith. He is. I thought he's a faith God. He's a faith God. And if you're a faith God, you have to be a hope God. <laughs> Are you a faith person? Then you have to of necessity also be a hope person. The God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may what? Abound in what? In what? Hope. Through the power of the Holy Ghost. That hope. It's one of the big three. That hope is the one thing that can anchor your soul down in the midst of the worst storm. I mean in the midst of the worst tragedies, the worst situations where everybody else is absolutely hopeless and just down as low as you can go and desponding. If you've got that hope, you'll look through your tears. You'll push past your fears. Come on. And you're, while everybody else's soul is just going all over the place, yours is tethered, anchored. Come on. Anchored. Why? Because you have a sure hope. Come on. Are you with me? And the God of hope will fill you with joy in those times. People don't know, what are you shouting about? Because this ain't the end. How can you be so cool? Because I know. I know what's going to happen. This is how Jesus himself made it through the cross. Go to Hebrews 12. Not my words. Hebrews 12, the beginning, is actually the continuation of the end of Hebrews 11. This all flows together. He's talking about faith. And look at what it says. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What kind of witnesses? Faith witnesses. All those folk he just talked about in chapter 11. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the what? For the what? Joy that was set where? Where? Is this future? Future. Before him. Out in front of him. For the joy... That was set before him. He endured the cross. That's how he made it through it. Despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say glory to God. God. Say it again. Glory Glory to God. Did he have a hope? Come on. Did Jesus have a hope? He had a word from the Father. He said, I have power. And he said, nobody can take my life from me. He said, I got power to lay it down. And I got power to take it up again. Didn't he say, how many know? He went to the cross in faith. He died in faith. Why? It was agony. The crucifixion. The thorns. All the stuff. It was agony. How did he make it through it? How did he make it through it? The worst part was what you couldn't see. Our sins and the judgment for all our sins being laid on his sinless, spotless being. How did he make it through such an ordeal? Even though he was hanging there and even though his spirit was taking all that, he was looking out beyond from there. Oh, come on, help me out. He was looking out. Oh, come on. Could he by faith? Could he see him finishing this? Could he see him paying the whole price? Could he see him raising from the dead? Come on. Could he see you and I? Could he see us being washed of our sins? Could he see this whole thing wrapping up and him coming to catch us all away like we just read? Could he see us living with him free from sin for eternity? Could he see it by faith? Yes. And that hope kept him anchored. Don't you remember he said, don't you know I could call on the Father right now? He'd send legions of angels to get me down from here. He was tempted to do it. What held him? Something held his soul. Something had his soul anchored down. Come on. To where he kept, the Bible said he opened not his mouth. He knew if he did, it'd be all over with. He kept his mouth closed. He didn't call on help. He didn't call for justice. He just took it. Oh, hallelujah. Tell me, how did he take it? How did he make it through that? Symptom. You talk about symptoms? Symptoms? How did you make it through it? For the joy that was set. Because of what he believed, it gave him an expectation. I'm not staying here long. I'm coming through this. Oh, come on. Did he believe he's coming through that? Even when he went to the heart of the earth. How many know he believes? I'm not staying here. I'm not. It is written, thou will not leave his soul in hell. You will not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Was he expecting to be raised from the dead? Oh, he was expecting it. He was expecting it. Did it come to pass? Did it come? How do you and I make it through trouble? How do we make it through challenges? Exactly the same way. We get a word from the Lord. We get a word from the Lord that tells us. We make it. That tells us our needs are met. That tells us that with long life he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. And then we lay hold of that. We're persuaded of it. We believe it. We receive it. And then what do we do? Come on, what do we do then? Then we, no matter what we see or feel, we expect that to come to pass in our lives. No matter if it looks like it's worse than it was last week, we still expect No matter if it gets to where people say there's no hope. Why do you keep expecting this to happen? There's no hope. That's what Abraham, against hope, believed in hope with no reason to keep on hoping. He kept on hoping. Confidently expecting. Everybody stand up, please.
Glory to God. Lift up your hands and thank the Lord for his faithfulness. Oh, Lord, you're so faithful. Lord, you're so good. Lord, you're so good. Lord, we trust you. Tell the Lord that you trust him. Oh, Lord, we trust you. We believe your word. If you say it, we believe it will happen. Oh, we trust you. Oh, we trust you. Oh, we trust you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.